0: A uh, cabal vision. Oh, wait, breath. sorry. No, we're not doing a gameplay. We're doing a. Dude
1: no, suit. we are not doing
0: yeah. a gameplay. No sorry, funny quips. So this is awesome.
1: This. Yeah, you don't have to worry about being funny, Joel. I, it's never it, a worry of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to what's uh, assuredly going to be a, a mostly empty bowl of dude suit. Maybe just like a little film.
2: <laughs> what? That's yeah. rude. No, yeah, that's really Man,
1: rude. I'm just calling it like it is. I don't want to set up false expectations. What are you talking about? There's jack fucking shit going on in games right now. I mean, a lot of cool games are coming out. That's cool. Well, there's nothing really to talk to do about. Do you do an ad read? I do. Okay, before
3: you do that, how come we're always talking about there's no game news, and then we do two gaming podcasts a week?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's weird, right? Well, one of them is easy. One of them's Q and A format, which, by the way, is just the easiest thing in the world. Like you, no, make it's show really products, hard, and yeah. we are
0: hard workers, it's hard. and
3: it's you know,
0: despite.
1: I no, mean,
3: oh, oh, right. I mean, I was watching back some of that podcast. that felt a little hard.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. You awkward little babies. Uh. <laughs> this episode of DudeSoup is <laughs> brought to you by Harry's. Uh, fine makers and shippers of razors and razor shaving products. that come to you in a box every month. Um, and it kind of takes the uh, takes the, the troublesome volition out of shaving. You don't have to worry about You don't have to exercise your free will. Go to the store. Uh, it's freedom from choice. You just get what they give you every month. And it's actually pretty awesome. I'm running out of shaving cream, and that's bad. I'm going to have to try to figure out if I can order that just direct from Harry's. Uh, I'm pretty fixed for razors, but man, that's shaving cream and aftershaves. Good shit. Joel, I know you're a fine user of, of Harry's Shave Products. Look, I'm going
0: to level with you. They sent us free stuff a while back. They did. And I liked it so much that I Wait. actually am paying for it now.
1: Do we have any more? Like
0: an, that's life. Like a person. No, I don't think we have any more. Like oh. a common person. I've done that
1: with several of our sponsors. Like, we... We we only pick good sponsors that we actually believe in yeah. because we use them and we're like this is good shit. It's like that episode of the Brady Bunch. My my razor is orange now. It's orange. Oh man,
0: that's a good color. It's like Funhouse chrome. orange. Exactly, yeah, Funhouse orange. So whenever I shave when we're on vacation, I mean work trips together and <laughs> you and I are sharing a room and I've got my towel around my waist and you've got yours on your head yeah. uh, and I'm, and I'm going like this and we're fighting because you want to shave your legs. Yeah it will be with an orange razor.
1: Are you eating a Nutri-Grain wrapper? Stop it. Oh uh, my
3: we found a nutrient wrapper Harry's is giving
1: new customers an additional $5 off their first monthly subscription order with our coupon code dude, d-u-d-e so please start your Harry's monthly subscription and never worry about buying blades again as a special offer for new customers you can get your free razor and save $5 off your first subscription with our code dude at checkout that's harrys.com h-a-r-r-y-s.com code dude and start shaving better today because yeah, the razor they give you is pretty good. If you've only used disposables, it's like weighted, it's got metal in it, it's
3: got a heft. <sighs> makes real you feel quick, like a man. Real quick, Bruce, this ain't a football game. Well, I know, this really is not. This is a closer to civilization game. than it is football, so oh, you might as well throw geez. that controller on the ground, you're uh, not gonna need it. You're
2: gonna be
3: hitting a lot of right clicks and then enter to confirm and stuff like that. So. Have so you so played moves? Blood Bowl? No, I I just know that I haven't played Blood Bowl because I looked up how to play it and I went, <laughs> no thank you. Nope. So. Uh, Oh, he's gonna have him run all the way back there. Oh, he's, he's rolling back. The guy in the back. Click on the, gu- click on the guy in the back. And then you can't... Oh, shit. Yeah,
1: he's doing the tutorial. All right. There We're playing Blood Bowl, which I'm all sure right. is exciting to hear about. I thought about playing Soma, but then I thought it would be too distracting and engaging for the people who have to talk about things that we have nothing to talk about. So it's funny how that works out, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Why don't we just play Civilization?
1: So I came up with a lot of talking points uh, about VR, because the more... I was trying to pinpoint exactly why I was getting excited about VR and sure it's easy to be like, it's virtual reality. I'll be able to have sex with all the anime mm-hmm. I've ever wanted. Okay. But it's actually, believe it or not, a little more profound than that. Um, it's been a long time uh, since I felt like there's been there's been like an upper area for gaming to go. I guess ever since the 360 PS3 generation, it's just been like, okay, they're figuring out how to focus test games better and make games more like broadly palatable. And they're kind of honing in on this one thing. Like, this is how we play games on this one device with this one controller. And sure, maybe internet, like, no multiplayer and all that shit. But it's been a long time since I felt like people haven't had everything really figured out. Uh, And I got that sense pretty hard, like, when the N64 first burst on and, like, 3D gaming was first a thing. People didn't have 3D figured out for a
0: while. Yeah, there were some real shitty 3D games there. There There were. still are, actually.
1: And they were fun to play for me because, you know, I'm a nerd about this sort of shit. Uh, It was really fun to see... How people tried to solve those problems. So you know, Mario 64 was kind of the standard setter in a lot of ways, and then you know, like Banjo Kazooie kind of made it a little better, and it got better and better and better, until like 3D platforming was pretty much—I don't want to say solved, because everything can always get better—but essentially they had a template down. And then you know, Gold and I laid down a template for 3D shooters, and then Time Splitters and Halo. So then it got better and better and better, Uh, or rather, people developed new standards. But there are zero standards for VR. And something that's really exciting to me is, like, jumping into a gaming platform that has... Oh, shit! No, nice. man. Or that's not nice. That's that not was That's not nice. You. That's not good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> inventing a new gaming platform that basically has no defaults. It's, it's just pure imagination, and most of that stuff's probably not going to work uh, to start with. But it's going to be really exciting to see how, play, or how developers will come up with new ideas and then take those ideas and reinterpret them. It's, it's almost like a new era of film or music or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm most excited. And we got our first taste. Well, maybe not first, but first real taste uh, of VR wound because we got to use the HTC Vive at Valve yep. Headquarters. And uh, I know Joel certainly got a glow from that. He's uh, A glow. Is that a yawn or a glow? It was both. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you guys think about that? What... what how did you guys see the future? Did you see the future of gaming in your five minutes or six
0: minutes with the Vive? All right, so before we talk about that, I, I have a real quick question. We have all done the Oculus before, correct? Yes. Yes. Had yes. anyone here done the <coughs> Oculus with the, with the treadmill, like, no. dimple thing? No. no. I, so I haven't done it either. And so, I, so maybe that will blow my mind. But okay. this blew my mind more than any other demo or Oculus or VR headset has blown my mind before.
3: Um, and for me, my only experience with Oculus was in someone's like bedroom. They had it set up at their com- personal computer in their bedroom, but they had like all the tools you needed, like they had the headphones and everything. And, but it was still just very small circumstances. And so there were a couple games that I played. Where I was like, oh, this is really cool. But the one game that stood out was Elite Dangerous, mm. and that that's because he had the throttle. Oh, like he no. had everything that kind of like made it feel like you were in it, but you weren't walking around in that. Like, you're just a dude sitting in a cockpit, which is the best kind of scenario for that. Um, it was different when we did the Vive, though. It was a little bit different.
0: The, the yeah. thing about, so, yeah, the thing about the, the Oculus demos that I had done previous is that you were in, I mean, there was like a demo where you were in this Shit. like snowy, magical oh, castle realm. Uh, and then there was like oh, yeah, a I Hellscape that one. one. And it was just like a big environment that you could really only walk around the area in real space that you were in. And so someone kind of had to tell you, oh, you're getting too far away, or like you're about to hit a wall or something. Because you would have just kept walking. The things that I think that the, the Vive did so well, and it sounds like Elite Dangerous does, is uh, VR works best when there are limitations placed on it hmm. uh, that make sense to your brain. Yeah,
1: I was so I'm glad that you brought that up because when I'm I'm trying to basically think three or four years ahead, once developers kind of understand the natural limitations of these platforms, because every you know every every expression of media has limitations to deal with. If you're dealing with a stage play, you only have so much real estate for the actors to move around on. You only have so much visual space to kind of convey where these actors are supposed to be. Movies, you know, you have a 3D scene that's compressed to a 2D image, so you have to deal with that lighting. Um, You know, music, you can only convey so much through the the frequency range that records on the medium you're on. Same with video games. Um, For the longest time, we've... Kind of like similar to movies, and I guess that's why so many game makers want to make them like movies. You're dealing with a 3D rendered scene that's compressed to a 2D image that's then displayed to the audience. VR is gonna change a lot of that. But, you're right, in that the sense... So if you're wearing an Oculus, you are essentially not moving, and you express your movement through a controller. Whether it's the yoke of a uh, ship, or, a you know, a two-stick controller. So to me, the conceit that's going to work best for games is one in which you as an avatar are locked in place and you're in some kind of device that's moving you, whether it's a car or a spaceship or something like that. That makes the most sense to me, whereas the Vive is more like you are an actor in this world, but you're confined to this box uh, that you can move around and act in and then everything will have to move through that or that box will be on, like, I, I just imagined uh, with that VR demo where you're inside Aperture, that you were on this moving platform that would take you from room to room. Mm-hmm. But th- that was your active area, and you people could move in and out of that. Like GLaDOS could swing into it and you know like interact with you inside that box, but you couldn't go outside of it.
0: Right, and and to make it clear how exactly, well, not exactly how it works, but the the reason it works like that is because in addition to the headset, um, the Vive has. <laughs> they call them lighthouses? They
2: ca- <laughs> just fell over. Perfect. So,
0: okay, so if you push it too hard, your guy just might trip. Yeah. Um, Interesting. The vibe has got uh, in the room these, they call them lighthouses. They're yeah. sensors that basically sense the size of the room and adjust the game or, or make the game space about that same size. And then in addition to that, they have the, these wands that you hold in each hand instead of a controller, uh, and then the wands simulate your hands in the the VR space, so when you look down you actually have hands that do things as opposed to when you're holding a controller with the Oculus and you look down and there's nothing there.
1: Yeah, and the input is another interesting aspect uh, because the, uh, okay, so the Vive is using a wand, two wands, PlayStation VR also using two wands, Oculus is using the touch, which is that weird like cyberpunk hand, like, bangle thing that wraps around and to hear the descriptions of it, it actually gives you finger articulation inside of VR. So if you use it, you can see your thumbs and fingers move, and you have two hand positions in, in like a 3D space. And people say that's a huge deal too. So I'm really, we're already kind of seeing platform disparity in terms of the kind of experience they'll offer. The Vive, you kind of have to dedicate a small room
2: to. Yeah, that, that's a that's a real barrier to entry, I yeah. think, <clears throat> because you got to set up the two lighthouses on either side, and then what was it, a ten by ten space or a twelve by twelve yeah, space that you like played 10. in? Like that. Yeah. Like that. And like it obviously worked perfect because it was one of those things that was like a completely empty space. No one's gonna have that in their house. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a, that was the thing that sort of concerned me about that actually. Kind
1: of reminds me of early Connect demos. Yeah. Where
2: they would take you into this like perfectly lit room with this like fake
1: IKEA furniture. And it, the idea was to convince you that it was re- usable in the real world, except you take it in your apartment and nothing works. Or or you have to move all of your shit out of the way. And you do that a couple of times because it seems like it's cool, and you're trying to convince yourself it's cool. And there's a, there there's the mutant league dancers. Um, Blood ball. Boy, she she had the bacon
0: expression on her face. She's <laughs> a zombie of some sort.
1: Every year in the dance mines, mining up new forms of dance, conceded. Oh, okay, uh, I want tutorial. It's a tutorial. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, something I've been trying to figure out is so far in this early day. It's just we kind of group this all as VR. But once these three platforms hit, they're gonna have different games and they're gonna have different experiences. And I'm curious to the will they converge or do you think they'll separate?
3: So well for me there's different there's different aspects to things. When I do Oculus, I I'm like, okay, this is a really cool game accessory. Which is fine, because games have definitely moved technology forward in a ton of different ways. But If you really want to transcend something, you have to be more than that, I I believe. And so, I think something like the Vive and the HoloLens are things that like, okay, I can totally see myself playing an awesome game, like playing a portal or something in this, but more what I could see myself is thinking, I really want to buy a couch for this living room, but does it work in the living room and the space that I have? Let me go to the IKEA app within this device Let me use this to move the couch in any different number of configurations and colors in the living room. Or let me see, oh, I wonder what my living room looks like with these walls painted or anything like that. Um, And so I feel like that kind of application is the more practical application that's really gonna push this forward and make it like a standard where every home in, in a first world country is going to have some sort of setup where they can tap in and they can look around and do like the smartphone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the things that Hololens, at least the Hololens demo from E3, we didn't go to the Halo one. Did you go to the Halo? Demo? No, I didn't. And Bruce, mm-hmm. you didn't either, did you? Adam yeah. went to that. Um, yeah. But the Hololens <coughs> demo that they showed on the at the Microsoft E3 conference did really well. Was integrating like real space uh, stuff into the demo. So like they had the table, and then all of a sudden Minecraft was on the table, or you know, you and you can play with it there. Um, I can see that happening. Like mm-hmm. you know. I could see applications of that in the real world. Ideally, you know, no wires, like you can be walking around a historic site, or go, like Lars. you said like a theater, like I hadn't even thought of that. Like going to a stage play where there are live actors, but you put on your HoloLens, and then like, the set is hollow, and like, ah, and, like actors cool. are like, you know, if it's the magic flute, like, there's a bird that comes down and, like, sits on your fucking finger and, like, is singing with you. Like, that'd, that'd be fucking ridiculous. Like, it'd be so cool. If, if it was the kind of, because, so you know how, like, you go
3: to a movie and then they're, like, there'll be a trailer for seeing this play, like, br- simulcast yeah. from Times Square or whatever. And I'm like, who goes to those? It's, like, one night only. Yeah. I'm like, who goes to those things?
1: Yeah, Maybe throwing a hall yeah. lens in your
0: own living room. Maybe if
3: you were sitting in your living room, lights, I yeah. would simulcast into that or a concert or
0: something. Yeah, you know. And 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 James, like your idea of like using it to like set up furniture, like that's also a super great idea. Like having thanks, Joel. I mean, like <laughs> basically having three-dimensional uh, CAD software uh, yeah. for your house, so you could design your yeah. house in real time. Yeah. Like. Imagine having an interior direct decorator that has those tools, and they they can like design your house, have it ready for you, put it on, and you can walk around your house seeing what your house would yeah. look like. So, so, like, yeah. I don't want to change
1: this
2: or that. So yeah. here's the problem with everything that you guys are saying. Uh oh. Um, because like party people, Bruce. No, well, it's one of those things that like get I, back to playing blood bowl. I know. I'm trying. <laughs> it's actually very difficult. Uh, so if if like everybody keeps saying the same thing, which is like it yeah. would be so cool if this, and it would be so cool if that. Now, I'm usually the realistic person. Who typically sits down and goes, what can it do now? Yeah. Uh, and when I played Oculus Rift, like I played Elite Dangerous and it was fucking awesome. Um, that was really cool. All others, it was really glitchy. Uh, so far, the vibe has impressed me the most in the sense that it, what it was able to do when I played it was exactly what I wanted to do. And I had fun. Mm-hmm. Um, all, this other, all these other things, these applications are absolutely applications that will come down the road. But for right now, basically, like, why, why are we telling our audience, hey... This is really cool. You spend five hundred dollars. Right now, it's pretty much just for
1: futurists.
0: Yeah. For the same reason that you do episodes of the Know, where you speculate, like, wouldn't it be cool if this game that that had,
2: was just announced has this or that? Because you don't know what it has yet, and like, whether it's. Well, no, I'm not talking about that. That's my job. But I'm talking. About, <laughs> I'm talking about whether or not I will buy something. Yeah. Because that's sort of the question now. Like oh, the vibes. Oh. The vibes coming out at the beginning of 2016. Yeah, I... Oculus is coming out, I think, in a couple months. Hmm. So. What's the reason to buy?
0: I, let, let me tell you. I, I I don't recommend generally buying most new brand new technologies first generation. I Correct. think it's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, what about zeroth generation, like the DK uh, development
1: kits and stuff like that? People are swarming I mean, on that
0: like, shit. Like if, if you're a futurist or you're a game developer, like that makes sense. And you know, I would love to get one. I would love if Rooster Teeth bought us one here for the office that we could do stuff. Like. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I would never buy. A Vive now, I mean it just doesn't make any sense, and, until we can see like, well what are the applications, then you'd be one of those idiots that have Google, that bought Google Glass for $1,500, whatever it was, and, and then get kicked, kicked it out of restaurants and felt like an idiot, and yeah. then kicked out of restaurants, yeah, so good,
1: oh, you got knocked the fuck just out, punched you in the face, and I, I was trying to fucking get him, and your defensive line is shit, no, I,
3: I, I, I mean, honestly, my opinion, am I saying go out and buy a Vive, absolutely not, right, I, I tried seven demos that were all really impressive, but are still just demos, um, talking with the people there, they seem to have a very clear strategy for what they want to achieve in 2016 and beyond. Um, but even they seem to be thinking pretty long-term. Like, thinking like, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're gonna start, you know, it's gonna come out in 2016, but that's just kind of laying the groundwork. I didn't, buy a, uh, I didn't buy an iPhone until, I guess, second or third generation. And that's because by that point, it had already kind of been this mainstay thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I want this. And there even, were enough
0: apps on it that you knew that you like, it was worth the money. It
3: would save me time and be convenient. And, or it, I don't know if it saved me money, but it was the kind of thing where I was like, this isn't just me buying into something. This isn't just an expense, an additional expense. I can see the value in having one of these. Um, so, So I think these are the kinds of assessments that's going to be made over the course of 2016. Um, but like like Joel was saying, if you're a futurist or a hobbyist or an app developer and you think that you might be able to get in on this market, maybe
0: you should consider it. I mean, it was really interesting while we, while we were there, they the the valve guys were like, it's not that hard to learn unity. like you yeah. could you can make your own games yeah. and and I mean, and to James's point again, like they were totally totally have a long term strategy. They've been inviting they didn't tell us any names, but they've been inviting in. Writers like Hollywood writers and directors, storytellers, actors, artists. Uh, We posted (laughs) Funhouse, Funhouse. Lawrence's girlfriend Stephanie posted, and I retweeted uh, a video from a like legendary Disney animator in the 3D art program. That like there's no there's no current application for it right now, except for like just to go into it and be cool. But the art program is amazing, and like watching a Disney artist like play with this thing for the first time and like draw the Little Mermaid or whatever in three dimensions in like. Life size was super cool.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, the way that the way that I view it is, if you want to buy one of these first generation VR helmets, headsets, whatever, you're basically buying like the Magnavox Odyssey, which is that it's not going to have like it, the games on it are going to be pretty primitive. It's certainly not going to take full advantage of the platform. Nice, uh, you're you're buying a tech experiment, and that's super cool. Like in in what seventy five. It was fucking phenomenal to be able to plug in a thing to your TV and, mm-hmm. like, have it be interactive. And it, and it takes oh, a... Oh, shit. We got a, we got a blue screen over here. Uh-oh. Was that the streaming PC?
2: Uh-oh. Or no. the capture? No, that was the capture PC. that's never happened before. Yeah, that's weird.
1: Hey, what's that? Should Uh-oh.
2: Uh-oh. I the? <laughs> Should upgrade to Windows 10. I did read the error. Should upgrade to Windows
1: <laughs> 10. Oh, boy. We need to get a new pop filter for that mic, too. Everything's breaking!
2: Ah, no, it just falls over.
1: All right, well. I'm uh, not The show must go on. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> I think the, the thing to like if yeah if if you're fascinated by new platforms this is when you buy in but if you if you want like a robust gaming experience it's tempting to say that development now is a little more informed than it was when games development was not even didn't even exist at least now it's been around for 3 decades but still i do think this is a new platform on the order of of like a new home console like an entirely new platform so you know it took it took what 25 years until we got the dual shock which is essentially the the control standard we have now well and it's going to f- take about that long for vr to get standardized as well i
0: think but to be fair it takes early adopters spending oh, sure. way more money than they should be <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, way more money than they should be to make a product viable because yeah. like those early adopters are the one that finance the next generation and next round of you know uh, innovation mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> all right so fuck this back up
0: sorry yeah we're going to have to resync and everything yeah
1: uh, I guess there will be just a gap there, where because the audio is still recording. Oh, yeah. So we'll have audio. It'll just go black for a little bit. That'll be fine. No one, no one pays attention to this anyway. It's just on in the background. Well,
3: that depends on whether or not I capped everything up to that point. Yeah,
1: so I think, both. I think it writes to a file as it goes. So yeah, I think...
3: yeah, I'm sure it writes. To a file. <laughs> Future technology. It works have you. perfectly. This is the Twelfth generation computer. Yeah, ah. uh, And the twelfth. The twelves. That... I, I guess my first thing would be if you please, can. Please try and find someone else my recommendation yeah. is try and find someone else or some sort of location I don't know I don't know where these things are going to be because it's not like they're valve stores well, there's going there's like, to be
1: like mall kiosks I Facebook's feel like got that, money I feel like some at some point they're going to be in the mall of America like waving waving 50 year old grannies over to uh to fucking slam this helmet on them I mean
0: yeah but there'll be amusement parks yeah God, could you imagine that a little like, bit lower, a little bit lower. Bruce. Like to say
1: at Disney or whatever, instead of waiting in line for thirty minutes to to go to star tours or whatever, you wait five minutes to see the virtual version of a ride, or or just like sit in a D box chair that shakes you while like I don't know while you're that'd on be, a virtual that'd be cool roller coaster. If, like, there were
3: two lines. Yeah, right. One line was just to a dark room where you just stood inside the ride and you basically just rode the virtual equivalent of it, and the hmm. other line was to experience the actual one. And then people that some like I know some people that just don't want to go to Six Flags or anything because they get motion sickness. Yeah. Oh. They could uh, ma- theoretically, potentially, go to that one because they could do something with the calibration of the depth Ooh of boy. field, so that way it doesn't give you motion sickness. I don't know. I
1: think motion sickness is even more pronounced when it comes to that because so motion sickness. My Ooh. understanding of it is. Hold on a second. All need
3: right, I'm going to be yeah, collapsing. Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. On nice. okay. On okay. Yeah. Up there on the top right. Okay.
1: So my understanding of motion sickness is it's caused by the disparity of. The visual feedback you're getting and the inertia that your body feels. So if your eyes are telling you that you're moving, but you don't feel movement, you get sick. If you are moving and your eyes tell you you're not, like if you're moving in a car but you're looking at something stationary, mm-hmm. that also causes sickness. So how does it explain getting sick on a boat? Um, because if you're if you're if you're looking at something relative to the boat, like if if I am inside a boat or I'm on deck and I'm looking at something else on deck and I can feel the shifting, but everything else is moving relative oh. to that, so. This this chair will look stationary, but the entire mo- room is moving. Then you have the sensation of movement, but your eyes aren't telling you that you're moving.
0: Is that why they tell you to go above deck?
1: Yeah. So so if you're looking at the horizon and that's moving, and you can match that with how you're feeling, that's supposed supposedly supposed to make it better. Huh. I know. I know. Spool gets motion sickness sometimes, so I do.
3: Oh, poor baby <laughs> Spool. Bowl. Is that roughly how
1: it works? Though it's the the disparity when you're when you're sailing the seven seas, Spool. Well, Sailorman Spool's got something to say.
4: I oh. mean, that's how what happens to me. Like I get car sick. If I'm, like, trying to, like, when I was a kid, I'd try and play Game Boy in the car. I could only do it for, like, half an hour before I'd start to get, like, queasy or nauseous and stuff. I've also been seasick once or twice. And it's the same thing. Like, I was below deck or, under, or like, not looking out at the horizon or anything like that. I still ended up throwing up, even looking at the horizon, but that's because someone gave me ginger beer or something like that. Ginger ale. Ginger ale, it was. Wait, ginger ale or ginger ginger beer? Ginger ale, ginger ale. Sent me off, sent me off. But, yes, I also get, like it feels like motion sickness when I play like certain games like Half-Life 2 and stuff with field of view is what I believe it is now because if I change the field of view in those games, it'll kind of fix it, but I don't know exactly what the field of view is that triggers me because it's only that and like Fallout 3 did it for me, but not New Vegas, mm. and, uh, which is like really weird. That is really weird. But yeah, that's the other aspect of it for me at least. Well, I
1: think, I, th- I theorize, well, that the reason that those games trigger you is it has to do with like HUD bob. So if if elements around the camera are moving independently from the camera itself, you get this weird disassociation of movement. And that was a huge deal with the airboat level, because the airboat would bounce around, but the camera
4: would stay consistent. Yeah, yeah airboat level was really bad. Uh, but yeah, I almost always turn off head bob when I can in a game, so that might be part of it too.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up, because uh, I was just re- reading an article about uh, Among the Sleep, which is that horror game where you play as a child in like a haunted house. Yeah, uh, They were trying to port that to VR. And, uh, when they started out, they were like, this is gonna be, this is gonna be easy. We already got the game, let's just throw it in a VR headset, and then you'll be a little baby, and you'll be scared, in a little scared house. Turns out, no. Terrible, terrible idea, and here's, here's the reason why. They actually tried it, and they said that when they, when you're playing the game on a 2D monitor, they do a lot of interpretation of camera. They, like, shake it, and they make you fall down, to to try and make you feel like you're a child. But they said, quote, if you do this in VR, it basically feels like someone is physically grabbing your head and forcing you to watch something. Suddenly your entire body is paralyzed and the sense of freedom, of perspective, and immersion that VR does so well is shattered. Hmm. It's a violation of the trust you are building up between your game and the player. Interesting. Yeah, so it's... That basically
0: what you're saying is you can't force somebody to move the way that
1: they wouldn't be moving. Yeah, basically. It's that I, I think VR carries the, the implicit promise that you have more freedom of motion, and a lot of games actually operate on taking that away. Like if they want you to see something or they want to create a cinematic experience, they will direct the camera or make it bob in a certain way. Like Mirror's Edge, I can only like, that must be murder inside of a VR helmet despite how awesome it seems. Um, So there's gonna be a lot of, and this is kind of what I was getting at earlier, there's gonna be a lot of resetting of paradigm where people will do things that used to work, but now that it's bolted to your face, it changes things. And uh, a lot of the old understandings about how camera movement and like avatar action inside of virtual space used to work aren't gonna work anymore. Because your brain just naturally assumes that it should be different, and yeah, I think I think motion sickness is going to be a whole other story. It, man, how how terrible would it be? Uh, and Spool, maybe you can speak to this again. Are you are you afraid that there's this whole wave of tech you're going to miss out on because your body just rejects it?
4: Well, it's weird because I've used Oculus now and I use like the Vive and stuff, and I don't feel any kind of like hmm. I haven't so far. It'll probably depend on different games, or different game developers. Just like with normal games where I think some of them will be fine and every once in a while I'll hit one that's like got a weird field of view or head bobbing or like head shaking and stuff and that might like, I might not be able to play certain games, but so far I haven't hit anything of that, which kind of surprised me. I was like, oh God. But from what I heard too, is like kind of depends on like eye placement and stuff on certain people might kind of initiate like being nauseous or queasy when you use them, but, mm. but I don't know. I haven't hit any of that so far.
1: Okay. God. Oh. Just for me, having having a boner for tech, I would feel terrible if something about my constitutional makeup precluded me from experiencing some cool gadget.
3: Well, but what if it's what if this is the thing that can fix it for you? You mean like cure it? Yeah, I mean like what if what if the issues innately, like like we were just discussing, could be nice. marginalized by steps, you know, tiny little steps of progression, hmm. so that way it doesn't. You, you aren't, it's you're not stare, moving, but the chair is moving, but you feel like you're in place or, or whatever. They can basically simulate the horizon of going up deck while in there ah. and then slowly, step by step, get you out. of I feel like they're not, if there is a big enough Hold market what, are that people- exposure therapy? Yeah, if there's a big enough market for people who are affected by this, I feel like someone can create an app. Here's an idea right now. Uh, <laughs> create an app that takes you step by step kind of through the process. It's basically the Duolingo, you know, Duolingo is like an app that step-by-step teaches you language, or it's supposed to. Um, it's basically the Duolingo of motion sickness, and it's like a calibrator that you would do. Like, as soon as you get one of these devices, it would test you and say, do you want to be calibrated for, you know, motion sickness? And then it goes yes, and then you just kind of go and go and go. Jeez. I,
1: don't know. I never even thought about the... Uh... Potential of VR for education
3: to help people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Only for games.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's always how it is. Every new tech is entertainment slash sex based, and then other other (laughs) uh, you know applications or war. war, war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, there's a lot of pilots probably already
2: killing people with this. There's oh absolutely. There's a lot of medical technology that they're already using like you know shades of VR to do surgeries. I know Connect
1: is is breaking out in education and stuff like that. Yeah, which is really cool. I mean,
2: like that's and that's the kind of stuff that I wish that we thought about more often here. Um, but, you know, we never do. You're right, it's always entertainment or sex-based. <laughs>
3: that title and thumbnail, baby. Like, can we talk about sex-based stuff?
2: Sure! Fuck yes, we can! <laughs> oh, man.
0: Have you ever been to a sex base?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I basically had a couple of magical evenings with my Oculus DK1. Ew. And oh, boy, let me tell, disgusting. tell you. disgusting. Listen, yeah, I never masturbated really with it on my face. Because, at the time, none of those games were sexy enough to warrant jerking one out to. But, let me tell you, I looked. I looked. I looked a lot, oh, a lot.
3: So you said you never masturbated with on your face, but does that mean that you would no not masturbate even after it. into
1: it? There was no. No. There were. There were no. Sh- there was no. It's like after when you do scuba
3: diving, you have to spit into the goggles. Yeah,
1: in to they don't fog the, up. Get oh. the fog out. No. There was. There was no. There were no. There was no bait. There was no shadow baiting. There was no after baits. It was. <laughs> after baits. <laughs> it was all. I mean, so I don't know if you guys remember, but like. Remember CG women from the late 90s, like, Mm. on, on, like, video card boxes and stuff? They would try and make them look real sexy, and they looked really disgusting Mm -hmm. all the time. Like that girl from Tripping the Rift. Yeah. It's basically, like, every, (laughs) every Oculus game I downloaded that just had you, like, punching a girl's boob in VR, they all looked like that. right. so... So you weren't
3: able to masturbate,
1: or...? (laughs) Didn't feel the need to. It was more comical than, than sexy, legitimately sexy. So, like... As far as I've told, as far as I've seen so far, it's either that, like some creepy late 90s CG girl, that's like obviously a dude designer, so he has no idea what women look like.
0: Uh-huh. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I've never been legitimately it's like, like turned anime. on by a video game, ever. Really? Really? Yeah. Mm. I've never gotten a boner from a video game. I don't know if I got a bone. Yeah, I don't know. But that's turned on.
2: That's
3: no, what turned no, no on me. Yeah, no, not, not necessarily. necessarily. Turned that's, on
2: as a that's, state of, that's a state of mind. That's a very one
3: sided look at uh, being aroused. The world's black and white. <laughs> very one sided. It's not fluid. I played
1: some visual novels, but I don't know if those count. It's basically like a. It's basically an adult comic book that you have to click through. Right. So, I don't know. Is that a game? Mm. Mm, sure.
2: <laughs> it's a game to see if you can come. Yeah, <laughs> I win the game. I always win. Yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, but that, I guess
1: I'm just excited to see what people will do. Not only like what people will make, but how people will react to that. Mm-hmm. Like I've brought this up before, but I'm really excited for the first person to die with a VR helmet on. <laughs>
0: Why are you excited for that? That's really cold-hearted and morbid.
1: Yeah. It's not. I'm not making them do it.
0: Yeah, but there's going <laughs> to be inevitability. There's going to be some, the be some is idiot not out lying. there. Yeah,
1: there's going to be some idiot out there who like gets so attached to binging anime girls he's going to go two days without eating or drinking or sleeping. And he's just going to keel over and die. And then his dick will be out. uh, And he'll be like slumped over his computer desk. And the police will walk in and see this, it's like anime girl being like,
2: Oh, hey, Senpai, where are you? (laughs) And
1: they'll be like, what the fuck? And they'll go home and tell their wives about it. Like bloodshot eyes at night. You won't believe what I saw today. What is technology doing to us? And then there will be a lot of think pieces on shitty blog. Oh! On shitty blogs talking about how VR tech is going to be the downfall of the human race because we're losing our humanity. and It's going to be great. It's going to be great.
3: But none of it's going to matter. Oy. Can he run again? One more move?
1: Oh, you can pick up the ball off of him?
0: Oh, go you
1: baby. you got to dodge around the dead body?
0: Go baby! Bruce, go! Bruce! Ah!
2: Nice. I'll take it. Sorry. I don't oh, know you are guys you... are dead, though. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. What are you guys seeing with
1: uh, the proliferation of VR technology? Anything? What do you mean? What do we see
2: the with it? Proliferation. I
1: feel like... so. What? I guess maybe another thing that I feel like is... this. Maybe this still happens. Maybe I'm just too old that I don't see it happening, but it was a time like Call of Duty would come out and people would just take the day off of work and then go home and play it all day. I, I assume that still happens. Oh, I, think, I,
0: think, I, think, I think people will take VR vacations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I don't mean like a day off from work. I mean like... I think people are going to take VR vacations.
1: Did you ever... Uh, so this is... Nobody did this, so I don't know why I'm asking, I'm just asking so I can start talking about it. Uh, there was this Wii U demo basically called Street View. It was like this partnership between Google and Nintendo. And you could use your, like, it would be this 360 degree video of like, of like rolling through Carnival in Brazil. Or just down a street in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And you could look around with your tablet and like mm-hmm. look at all the people and stuff. And I remember doing that and like, you know, they were like 250 each and there were four of them. So I bought them all and did them all and I was like, that's really cool. And that was about, you know, that was worth that was worth 10 bucks for one evening of just being like, "Oh, awesome." Also, goddamn. Dude, you do you want to talk about not getting turned on? You look at Carnival, okay. man, that's well, wait, anyway, uh, You right. got turned turned there's, on by There's some thick ladies in Brazil, Bruce. I mean, man. what? Man, do they Man, <laughs> do they wear good would clothes?
0: Did you call them uh, caramel honeys?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Something>? <laughs> not to their face cuz they would kill Isn't me. Isn't that what Arnold Schwarzenegger said?
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Caramel honeys? No, he said that mulatto ass <laughs> I'm not gonna say
1: that either I'm, I'm not Arnold I can't get Arnold away with said. it. Well, I know I'm not
3: sure he got away with that either.
1: <laughs> really I feel like that's something Arnold could get away with regardless uh man if you had VR fuck me that would be awesome like to me and and maybe this is just early tech but I feel like the mundane become magical so like what I've imagined is say it packs you know they have millions of they have millions of tickets that sell out, well maybe not millions, but lots of tickets that sell out very quickly. What if they just had a 360 degree 360-degree camera at like various points throughout the con and you could just jump to those just by clicking around through the website or through your weird VR gloves or whatever and then just look around and kind of like see what people are doing, see the booths. Um, you can't really talk to anybody obviously, but you, know, you can experience it um, kind of third hand. I think that's cool. Or if
0: you can't go to an e event. I don't know. Event. I mean, like, what would you do? Like, you, you'd just be just like... sit there and look! What do you do when the you're crowd. there? Like, the only thing that'd be honestly... Be, oh, God damn it, Frankie. The only thing that would be kind of cool for is, like, the cosplay competition.
1: Or, like, panels. Like, you could drop in and watch a panel. Yes, why, why, can... why would
0: 360-degree be interesting for watching a panel?
1: Hey, there's everybody else. Because there's no bevel <laughs> around your view. I, I don't know.
0: Here's, here's what 360 of uh, viewing would be cool for, just as an example. Dungeons and Dragons might be cool for that. (laughs) That might be cool, I guess, theoretically. do you mean spectating or participating? Spectating.
1: Well, I could see like four or five (gasps) people getting together in a VR helmet session. That would be cool! And then then as a DM, like, you you as a DM could have your avatar in the game, but you could also, it was like Neverwinter Nights. You could be sitting and then you could be modding live, like, you could say like, okay, take down the backdrop, bringing up now in your forest and then you're looking around and there's trees everywhere and Whoa. birds chirping and you're at a stupid little nerd table in the middle of a path. And
0: that, I mean, that that is literally the first thing I thought of when I saw the HoloLens demo yeah. from, from Microsoft C3 presser was like, oh my God, like, yeah. Having like the fortress and having your little characters and oh my god, it'd be so cool. Well, remember they, they can make it four D and have like you get sprayed
4: by water and like a fan comes on. Four D. Is,
3: there already is a place. I saw a video about a place that's doing that. Four D. Where, where, uh, where, where are we going? I, I don't there? think it's anywhere close, Damn. but it's like some. It's basically like a laser tag. All right, guys, place let's, let's get in the funhouse van. Through you <laughs> walk through a small <laughs> tiny maze that they've made, but you wear it's fucking awesome. You wear something and then like, but they have like. Actual things that happen. So, like, you'll press a button, and then in the game, the button will descend down. And so, the way they do that is they, it, or it makes you feel like you're in an elevator. Okay. The button goes down Ugh. when you press it, but That's then weird. it's actually just because they're moving the button lower. Right. And then, so and the then, it, walls, everything changes, too. and it looks like you're in a new level, but you're actually not in a new level.
1: Ugh. That's cool. That is cool, man. Speaking of four D, I went to uh, went to an arcade and played Dark Escape, the four D experience or whatever. What? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's an arcade man. game. Uh, you, uh, so you you sit in it. You sit in a booth, and you have your you have your hands on the. It's like it's like a uh, the Jurassic Park game or whatever. So you have these two guns, and it measures your heart rate through the handles of the guns. James, this is exciting. I oh, promise. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> and then the seat vibrates, and then there are fans that will like burst air in your face uh-huh. whenever something something spooky shows okay. up. Does yeah, it have so. Smell-O-Vision as part of this game? Uh, no Smell-O-Vision, No.
3: But, mostly fans. Fans uh, and loud noises. Just just briefly talking about- It was about fun. I liked it. Like it was 3D, into, too. Integration of these types of other elements. Um, I've been playing Until Dawn. And oh, yeah. it's funny because there's a, a way- like a mode where you can turn on the PlayStation Eye camera. Oh, really? And I guess- I, I didn't do it, but I'm assuming what it does is it knows when scary things are gonna happen, or like jump scares are gonna happen. And then it will- it will basically, uh... Capture your expression or like record a video clip when that thing happens. But thus far in playing the game, I I haven't like 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 some guy will go and I'm just like really. So I wish that I had been doing it so that way I could see all those different spooky moments where I'm just like okay, all right, yes, you are, man. You are spooky. I feel like
1: I feel like until dawn. So I enjoyed it, yeah. but it is still just a visual novel, like, there's a bunch of binary decisions that lead to a bunch of people dying or not dying. Uh, which is fine, but I feel like, can we finally put the whole video games are going to become like movies thing to rest? Cause, no. damn it, for the last, I, I want to say for the last six or seven years, that's the weird dream that a lot of developers have been chasing with things like Mass Effect. Like, we're gonna make this well. big interactive cinematic experience! But it, it all falls apart at the end, kind of like until dawn. The last the last hour of that game is a total shit show because they're having to wrap up all these like. That's not the game's fault. Kind well, kind of, yeah, it is. That yeah, is.
0: No, no, I mean it's not the fault of it of it being a game. It's not the medium's fault. It's the fault. It's the fault of the writers for not being able to reconcile all the different oh, potential I choices and plot lines that they have written.
1: The problem. So the the problem is. Uh, so there's there's this idea that. If you give if you give enough choice and actually reward those with consequence, that there will be a point in which the illusion works, that you think that you have total freedom, but that never ever will ever ever happen. Yeah. That's my theory. I don't well, think that any any development team can possibly craft enough content I, and write enough individual storylines
3: to make that happen. I well, disagree. I had a, I had an emotional reaction at the end of uh, Telltale's Walking Dead season one. Well, yeah, but the, the resolution there was nothing that. you
1: could do to change it. Mm, Yeah, I mean that. So, but but I feel like Walking Dead is right because it it does not presume to tell you that
0: you have thorough interactive control over the narrative. Uh, So, a couple things. I don't I don't think it's possible yet. I think you're right that like having total interactive control of the narrative with a maybe with with some sort of ending that everybody's happy with is impossible as of yet. But again, imagine a future in which AI is so good that the NPCs aren't programmed. The NPCs are actually AI, like actual AI that can then generate an ending. Based on your like individual decisions, and everyone literally has maybe a different ending. Uh, for the time being, I think what what could work would be something more like a choose your own adventure, where there be in a choose your own adventure novel, you have to make binary choices, mm-hmm. um, and there are you know seven or eight different endings in those novels. A lot of them end up with you dying in a lot you know in different ways. Um, and in addition to that, in terms of your your initial question about can we put an end to saying that video games are moving closer to movies? I think that with VR headsets, actually it's going to get back closer to, uh, there will be narrative, purely narrative experiences within VR that will make you question, is this a game because I'm inside of it, or is it is it a theatrical narrative experience, and what, like, what does that mean in terms of gaming?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the question is, what is the narrative? Because, like, if you're looking for something to be... Written or predetermined, but then also have complete choice over the results you're that's those are two those conflict opposites So so what you're looking for is you just played a really intense match of Call of Duty and at the end of it You throw your controller up in the air that is you having control over the narrative of that game Oh, I see so but but I mean that's not that's not at all what any of those people are going for or anything so I mean I, I my thing is I don't value story and games nearly as highly as I value, say, an emotional reaction to, I was into the game and now I'm taken out of the game. Yeah. But in a situation like Until Dawn, while not being a totally unflawed game, is, they made a conscious choice to choose narrative, and at least along the way, you see why it's a game. You see why you're interacting with it. Because if you just sat down and watched it, it would be nothing but walking around and finding clues that's going to that's going to invest
2: you more emotionally in the game.
3: And even if it's like making a choice which then leads to a different dialogue string than another one but the same end result in the end, like that at least is a better illusion of choice which some games fail miserably at. Yeah. Like the David Cage games Move. don't even try. I've, I've used this example several several times, but basically like there is a sequence in Beyond Two Souls where you're asked if oh man, <laughs> the fuck! I don't know. Everyone went out. Um, there's a sequence in Beyond Two Souls where they ask you if you want to. Oh yeah, some <laughs> redneck asks you if you want to play uh, pool with them, and you can say yes or no. And then if you say yes, you play pool with them. If you say no, the guy goes, Oh, come on!" And then the character goes, "Okay, I'll play pool with <laughs> and you." It
2: forces you to play.
3: And it. I'm like, "That's just you reminding yourself along throughout this script that oh right." I have to put some sort of interactivity in there. Right. So, like, that is an utter failing of that situation. Whereas, say, you know, maybe an Until Dawn or a Walking Dead, where yes, things are going to happen by the end of the game. and There's nothing you can do to avoid that. At least if along the way you feel like you could branch or you could explore or you could gain some sort of knowledge that in Joel's playthrough he may not have found. I, th- I think there's value in that. There's,
1: yeah. Well, it's, 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 there is value in that. Um, the trick is the value is in the quality of the narrative that you uncover. Mm-hmm. And until now, the narrative ha- narratives haven't been so great. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, I was playing Until Dawn, and like it has its its door sequences and its slow walking and its kind of tanky controls. I was like, this is Resident Evil yeah. without any of the fighting. Yeah. And then I was like, gosh, it's like it's like less game than Resident Evil. Theoretically, more narrative. Except the stories of both are kind of on par. Which is not
3: a high compliment to you Until Dawn. And and I don't want to sound like a dick, but I think generally the reason for that is because if you were not necessarily good enough, because it's not all always about being the best writer in the room, but if you had the connections and you had the influence and you had the clout to be writing a movie, you'd be writing a fucking movie. movie. Yeah. Because you would get a lot more credit for it and a lot more money. I feel like the only difference, or one thing that we can...
1: We have some experience. Oh, nice! Some experience with is like, Valve has very good writing, and their games have phenomenal writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say better than most, better like funnier, more interesting than most movies I've seen. And that's like probably the the one or one or two exceptions I can think of, where the the legitimate like pen on paper words writing of a game is enough to justify it being in the game versus giving me something to do where I can have fun with the game itself than enduring the writing that somebody else thought was good.
3: Ah, maybe that's me being so, pretentious, but... Uh, I mean, speaking of Valve writing, it's funny because, uh, like, finding out what they do and stuff, where, where there's, like, writers that write games, Valve doesn't write games all the time, so what else do the writers do, Yeah, is really interesting because uh, it was pointed out to me that there's a whole Team Fortress comic book series... That like I didn't yeah. know existed. Like I don't play Team Fortress 2 that much, but like there's a whole comic book series that like I got, it out.
1: I gotta start reading that because uh I it's love it. It's I really great. The, oh you've read it? J- oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. What's uh so does it just follow the the manco and like or, or, or is the whole red versus blue roster in the comic?
2: It's sort of it's 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 the whole red versus blue roster, but it sort of follows the uh, the different stereotypes of the characters. Okay. And I mean like in terms of a narrative and stuff, I've only I haven't read all of them, so I don't know mm-hmm. the entire narrative. Uh, but it's one of those things that I've tried to keep up with now and then, um, just because I like Valve writing in general. Uh, but it's it's fun. I mean, like they're a lot of fun. To, it was just like the uh, the intro videos to each class. Oh yeah, they're the just me- like that. They're oh, just like yeah. that, and that's 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 what I've always liked about that stuff. Is it's it's very consistent coming from them. But they're one of the few companies that actually has consistent writing. See, and to me,
1: um, and again, maybe this is just me being short sighted, but to me, that's the ideal path where Team Fortress Two. There's almost no narrative in the game aside mm-hmm. from the announcer mm-hmm. and the the, the vocal call you get from the characters. Mm-hmm. You spend a lot of time in that world. You start to get a sense that some of these things are connected, that some of these characters know each other. And then you can go from there to exploring some of the more linear narrative aspects of it. If you just love that world so much and you want to know more about it and explore the depth of it, I feel like MOBAs are the same way. League of Legends, Dota, uh, Heroes to a lesser extent, they all have ridiculously rich backstories like all these characters have relationships with each other that's something that you don't need to know or care about when you start playing yeah. but if you play it a lot and you start to notice wait this, this character's call outs are saying some interesting things I'm really curious about that you look up, you look it up on a wiki you see all these other things you read the story then you I don't know I don't know if they have comics for League or Dota they probably should that would actually be pretty cool but uh, I, for me at least that's the way I got into comic books I remember I didn't care about Spider-Man until I played Maximum Carnage I was like, this game is actually really fun. It had like, it had silly like '90s grunge music, which I was super into at the time too. But that was the first like comic arc that I had ever really experienced was through Super Nintendo cartridge, and the little cutscenes made me interested enough in the characters to go read the comics, and then I kind of got into the the bigger storyline that way. So I feel like. I feel like that's the ideal arc to go through when it comes to introducing somebody to a a rigid narrative or a world Mm -hmm. is give them a place to play in that has these like actors in it. It's it's almost like upending a toy box and there's all these action figures and you've never seen He-Man or Power Rangers, but you like this character. You like the way they're designed. Like why do they have this sword? Why is this, why is it chipped? Why is this person battle damaged? And then you can look into it that way.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I've seen people discover video games that way. Oh, first, first with gameplay then, the more that they play the game, the more they want to dive into the story. Like, Destiny is a good example. Yeah. Um, or Halo. Like, I didn't give a shit about that story. Over and over and over. I played, like, and I never ever cared, but it was one of those things that the more they played the game, the more I was like, oh, like, Guilty Spark. Okay, I think I get it now. Like, and, and but it didn't matter because I loved the game. Like, and that, and that was important to me. I'd rather have gameplay first and story, story second because, like we've said before, typically game narrative is not the hottest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like that it's there for you to explore, um, but it's not the purpose of a lot of the games exactly. because I think we I think we all agree that like the reason that a highly narrative game doesn't work as well as a high like as a as an emotional responsive but good gameplay game like a, a narrative game with bad gameplay doesn't work as well as a good gameplay game with good emotions and maybe not the greatest narrative is because you're you're invested like as a character like you're playing the game and if it's a bad narrative like uh, yeah. then then you don't care that much because you're the like you're the character you're playing the game and if it's a great narrative but you're like just sitting there with a controller in your hand the whole time or at your PC just like all right click like it doesn't do anything to me although apparently these dumb japanese Fucking games do really
1: well. <laughs> well I mean, Fuck me. Well, visual novels? Yeah. I mean, they're called visual novels. I yeah. feel like I feel like there was never the attempt at an illusion there. It is a it is a novel. That's true. It that has pictures to it. Yeah. yeah. So you're just sitting there reading and, and honestly until dawn is almost exactly what those were. There were tons of those games for Super Nintendo, like horror, like let's all go to this cabin in the woods and then you have these terrible like sixteen bit low res pictures visualizing some of this stuff and then you make these decisions about where to go and who to talk to and it kinda of played out the same way. And to that extent I was like really nostalgic. I was like, wow, this is a super high production version of this this kind of game that hasn't existed for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I was I was glad about that, but it was it was really interesting to go back and like see what parts of it got better and what parts of it like haven't changed. And to me it feels like it's a format clash that's just never gonna go away. But with VR it might. I mean, could you imagine playing Until Dawn and you are first person one of those characters? Yeah. Or like you even weirder yet, could you imagine slipping into different characters? Because until Dawn like changes characters per chapter, mm-hmm. imagine being VR, but you're playing as a woman or a man if you're if you're already a woman naturally, or playing as an old person, young person. Like the the sense of like being an avatar would get pretty weird at that point, mm-hmm. especially if you're changing in the middle of a game and people are talking to you and you hear a voice come out of you that's not your own.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's probably going to be an experiment that maybe won't go so well. That's part of like finding the new normal.
0: But well, do you think that so? Do you think that they'll ever be able to get to a point where the AI is good enough that they'll be able to generate Oof. dialogue responses, story points on its own?
2: Well, at that point, then it'll, they'll have developed, you know, like actual artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah. To say we're not
3: talking about games anymore. I also feel like well, at I mean, that well, point, I, you
2: just put a patch
1: on your forehead and go Slack, and then you'd be like total sensory. Maybe, immersion.
2: but like there's all <laughs> right. So they can
0: procedurally generate like seamless land and seamless, you know, resource points and stuff like that in certain games now. So. Is I mean, and, and there is AI that can like have a conversation with you back and forth. That like you, you can watch videos of it on YouTube. So is it that much of a stretch that you can combine those two technologies?
2: Well, yes. I mean, like that's the that's sort of the uncanny or not the uncanny valley. The uh, what is it? Um, transcendence or whatever the fuck it's called. The,
0: oh, uh, um, the event horizon. The, yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those the things. The singularity. That's uh, it. Singular, it's, it's a singularity relations. where we haven't
2: I, we haven't actually figured that out yet. Um, and once we do. Like James said, it's not about it's not about video games anymore. Oh, yeah. That's that's about like, you know the future of humanity and whether or not we can fight the robots off. Yeah, basically. And it,
3: Or surrender
1: to
2: them. Or surrender to them and become their slaves forever. Or, yeah. At that
1: point you're basically dealing with like a an improv show, except all of the all of the actors, all of the AI have to be four times as good as your average improv actor. To account for the fact that the person who's playing the game is probably garbage in some improv
0: in LA, shouldn't be too difficult. (laughs) Uh, You would be interested. There's a Neil Stevenson book called The Diamond Age, and one of the characters in the book, uh, her job is basically to sit in a studio, kind of, and uh, create interactive bedtime stories for children. So children Hmm. like plug into their VR headsets, and then they interact with this girl in a studio from you know miles and miles and miles away. So
1: I could maybe another way of doing it. Well, see, and, and I think that's much more realistic. I think most modern RPGs, they're just trying to recreate the the experience of uh, tabletop Dungeons and Dragons because you've got your RPG system, you have your stats, and then you interact with characters that a dungeon master, a writer, essentially pre-scripted. And all the dice rolls
0: are yeah. the math behind the, the, yeah. behind the screen.
1: So it's it's essentially just a digital asynchronous facsimile of something that already existed that used real live actors in real live. Uh, interaction. So imagine if you went back to that. Imagine you bought a game, but you were really just reserving an, two hours to play through this campaign, mm-hmm. and that you had a dungeon master and maybe two or three actors who were, and their job that you paid for is for them to be your digital guide and accompaniment in this world. And then, you, like, they could be two or three voice actors who would put on voices for all these characters. So you could have like a cast of twenty or thirty that these actors just kind of play out for you. And that's, God, could you imagine though? Because so,
0: there, it's, actually, it's actually a viable use of uh, the hundreds of thousands of dumb unemployed actors yeah. in LA who are begging for a job. But, <laughs> but
1: think about it this way: there's there's already a discussion that that modern gaming breeds breeds a potentially not healthy mentality that like victory victory can be attained through violence that uh, that every narrative in life follows a pretty strict format you know that there's good and bad and that you have to that if you just learn the rules of something you can overcome anything. Imagine if the idea was you could, and I guess you can do this now to an extent, but that you can just throw in a helmet, pay 25 bucks or 50 synth creds or whatever, Mm -hmm. and have like like four actors basically fantasy fulfill everything you want. Um, You're basically paying them to tell you what you want to hear and to be the hero. Can you imagine like what that would do to somebody that grew up with that kind of media and then they have to interact with real people? Who have their own ideas and don't want to put up with your bullshit or tell you what you want to hear?
2: All your expectations are totally whack.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh totally man. Fucked. Yeah. It makes me wonder. Like, I don't know. Is is the? I don't think so. Who I don't cares. think so either. I don't. No, <laughs> no, well, I mean, I'm what, just saying it's
3: the, a, it's a progress thing. I, it, we're asking these questions with our mentality now. Yeah, of course. But sure. it's like you know, it's like asking someone in. 1902 how they would feel if they had a tiny little box that they could touch in front of them Yeah, and and it would give them Society all the information and they'd go no one No one would ever try and seek out any new information for themselves anymore if they would had it all there yeah. People would lose their memories
0: and like <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's the same thing that, that people said when like Walkmans or like Absolutely. Tra- Transistor radios were a big thing. I, I, I've read like parents when transistor radios came out were like we used to sit around the, and listen to the wireless, and Franklin would talk, Dylan would talk yeah. to us, and now these <laughs> kids are like sneaking off to hilltops and listening to rock and roll. Yeah, you're
1: right. I remember uh, reading lamentations about a uh, military recruiter, and this was in the age of the '50s-ish, basically when sitcoms were starting to come up, and he was like, "God, this this media is training people to think that any problem can be solved in 30 minutes." And that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. he's like, this is going to be a real problem. People aren't going to be want to sit down and solve, like, long-term problems anymore.
2: Turns out that's not the case. Ultimately, so.
0: Well, kind of it is, because we haven't solved global warming. Well, uh, that's a different issue.
3: Let, let the children do it. Hold on. do you have any more reads? Do you have any more
2: reads? No, that's it. We're okay, doing. go ahead.
3: I was going to say, ultimately, real is very real. We underestimate how real, real gets. Yeah. And sometimes it can be sobering. So, in situations like that, I, I may be wrong eventually as things kind of accelerate and get get crazier, but I'll probably be dead by then, so it doesn't matter. But um, but I do think that like Suck ultimately, that ultimately when you get brought back into the real, you're gonna have to adapt. meat space, we you're call gonna, it. The meat space. You're gonna have to adapt <laughs> to that <laughs> that real. And and so you can you can make any theories. Video games make you more violent, or you know, or you're gonna you can't solve all your problems in thirty minutes, or we're not gonna know how to interact with people, or everyone's gonna want to be think that they're a winner all these things are true, until then you get into the real world, and then you have to adapt to the real world rules of things, and then it's like, oh, there's a difference, you know? Yeah. So, you know, things may change over time, but I genuinely believe that that the world that we live in is not harsh, harsh isn't the right word, but I think real is the right word. It is, it is truthful enough that it is, it's just kinda gonna knock you back into your seat, and then you're gonna have to adapt for that, regardless yeah. of whatever that is. That's yeah. true.
1: And honestly, if anything else, Maybe this is this is super cold-hearted because, and in, in as much as I'm waiting for the first person to die with a VR helmet on, it's also like if, pe- if people can't handle separating fantasy and reality, like if somebody drops acid and then plays World of, or World of Warcraft with a VR helmet on, and they decide they never want to leave awesome. that. Awesome. That does sound pretty awesome, doesn't it? But. That just makes man. That makes life easier for me.
3: Oh, well, I mean, it's... <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole generation I mean, of people it's, it's who can't of, get
1: out of VR, I don't have to compete with
3: them for jobs. So I mean, it's, it's uh, natural selection. In Canada, yeah, kind of. Right? If yeah. you never get out of there and you don't reproduce and you just disappear into your apartment and you VR yourself away, it's kind of like the right, neat phenomenon. The rest phenomenon of us that are actually swapping sperms. We're gonna have a- uh, we're gonna a be new, passing those on. Yeah.
4: Create a new VR-resistant
1: race. Exactly! VR's gonna go out of business because all the- all the Hikikomori that get addicted to VR are gonna breathe themselves out of- Until, there's like- Okay, how about this? So, you can have your VR sesh, right? Mm-hmm. Where- where Vers- there's a sesh. sesh. He's already abbreviated. I know,
2: he's been saying that for a long time. It's a bunch like, of- It's a,
1: called a versesh. Yeah, a vers-esh, <laughs> sorry. A bunch of D&D nerds are- are telling you that you're the hero of- of Tem- Temorial or whatever. And then oh you- God. then you boot up your anime fuck game. And there's this piston, like, pounding your, your dick, and then it sucks the seam <laughs> out. But then there's this tube, and it takes it to a freezer... Where uh, they inseminate some lady who's having a fucking penis jammed into her. Also anime or cool. They had sex him. over the internet. Exactly. Except it's 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 a function of the human race. Like there's a bill that passes. Nobody's fucking anymore. So they have to save all the semen from all the dudes and pump happen. it into all the ladies. Okay, okay. All right,
3: but Lawrence, right, holy he, shit, say, this is, is, is fast crazy. Forward, fast forward ten thousand years, okay. and something <laughs> similar to that I, is happening. And you can test all the semen and but only get the good stuff. That's what I'm saying. That's the new real. That's the Gattaca baby. That's the new real. So that's the standard that you have to live with. And then they so breed, who
1: cares? They breed in extra VR sensitivity because they want those people fucking in VR.
3: I'm just saying, if it's that commonplace, then that is the new standard. So it doesn't matter anyway. So then you're Ain't just right. living within the standard. So I'm who like, cares?
1: Right? Guess I'm gonna get banged by the small-titted anime I was girl gonna time. say, for
3: someone, <laughs> for someone who seems pretty adamant about, uh like, oh, well, if they're in VR, I, that just means there's less people for me to compete with in this world, Lawrence seems to have a pretty like, under- pretty good understanding of the piston that's gonna be fucking his dick. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta-
1: I gotta anticipate all these angles. How many I mean that, literally and figuratively. I was gonna say, you mean that literally, right?
2: Uh, before it- before it shows up. That's it, we made it, we made it to the end of the podcast. We talked we about jack piston, shit to talk about. talked about piston fucking. We didn't- we didn't, we didn't
0: have to talk about anything but VR, it was great. We had a bunch of bullshit topics lined yeah, up. Yeah, man, the school about. got a
1: haircut and stuff. <laughs> this is how you- this how you vamp your way through an hour of content. Hope you guys enjoyed it! <laughs> piston dicks. So great cut. Yeah, let's, let's look at the other fucking awesome. No, I'm leaving t- now. Uh, oh, we're losing Joel. That means it's bad news. We're losing got, Bruce. I want to stop this. Joel went to Dallas. How was that, Joel? <laughs> City of Love. He went to a storage unit and fucking looked at a bunch of chairs.